Hello and welcome to this edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. I am Chapin Hemingway, joined as always by Lee Carlo and Jeremy Fisk. This week, if you've been following our social media, you may know what we are watching. It's Terrence Malick's A Hidden Life. Um, Malick is an interesting character and one we're going to talk about, of course, much on this show. But he's, uh, I don't know if he, I'd say he's dear to our hearts, but he's certainly somebody we talk a lot about. Um, and then I've got a little game to sort of finish us off um, in kind of um, honor of the last film we did, Castaway. It's a kind of a play on Desert Island Discs. So um, it's just really just another way of doing a top five, but uh, we'll see. All right. Remember the day when we first met? I remember that motorcycle. My best dress. You looked at me, and I knew how simple life was then. What's happened to our country? We're killing innocent people. Raiding other countries, preying on the weak. If our leaders, if they're evil, what does one do? You have a duty to the fatherland. The church tells you so. You cannot say no to your race and your hope. You are a traitor. So guys, as I talked about in my intro, I think, um, I bet a lot of our listeners are not familiar with Terrence Malick, or at least not as familiar as we are with him. I, I do think he's somebody who he, uh, he's a director whose reputation often overshadows his films. Um, he famously made two very, pretty well-known films in the seventies, uh, Badlands, which provides the uh, opening song for this podcast uh, and a film called days of heaven. Um, Badlands was made in 1973 days of heaven was made in 1978. And then he famously, kind of disappeared from public life and didn't make another movie for about 20 years. He came back with the film The Thin Red Line in 1997, which was very well received um, and starred nearly every leading man in Hollywood at the time. Um, He's got an interesting way of making films, uh, to say the least. Um, Famously, or I should say infamously in that film, Adrian Brody during production thought he was the star of the film. And then he showed up famously at the premiere, uh, to watch the movie for the first time and realized that he, (laughs) he was in very little of it. Um, and I think someone like George Clooney was fairly pissed off that he had, you know, one line. Um, he just has an interesting way of making movies. And I think that is sort of really kind of, made its way into his work um the the last couple films he's made um particularly the uh from the film to the wonder song to song and um knight's cup i believe it's called knight of cups have been really 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 strange they are um i mean his films are already pretty weird um but they don't they lack a they really lack structure they they're very romantic poetic they're very visual um, but they don't have a lot of plot, they, and they don't even really have a lot of dialogue. Um, and we'll get into this, and we'll talk more. I want to give you guys an opportunity to talk about it as well. Um, but like I said, I do think he's someone whose legend kind of um, 
overshadows his movies. And a lot of times he is making, he, he makes movies, shoots movies, you know, for a typical amount of time, two, three months, and then edits them for two or three years. And they often change often they're recast. And I don't know. I love talking about these weird kind of eccentric directors. I think they're so fun to analyze. Um, but anyways, I think out of the three of us, I am the, the probably the biggest Malik fan. And I've been doing a lot of soul searching the last couple days as to why that is. But that actually is my question for you guys. What What is it about Malik that I like so much? Well, I, you like so much. Yes. That's interesting. I, I think I have the answer to that because it is fascinating, his filmmaking process. Because we sit here and we talk about films and we work on films and we know how generally a film is supposed to be made. Right. And you take that, you take a screenplay that you have this story and you go out and you try to execute that screenplay. Whereas since The Thin Red Line basically he's making films in a completely different way um, or, or I should say making fictional films in a completely different way. I, I mean, it is crazy to think you can make a movie with the sort of stars he makes them with. Um, like you said, Chapin in the thin red line and shoot enough of a movie that you've, you can just change it completely yeah, in post, post. <laughs> and figure out what you're trying to say <laughs> In post, and I think he follows a sort of rhythmic beat to how he makes movies. It's not about telling a linear story or telling a story from A to B to C, or even a non-linear story. It he's really sort of, I guess, for a corny way to say it, he's sort of following his heart as yeah. he's editing. Yeah, um, and I think that's what fascinates you about him, and it fascinates me. Uh, about him as well um but it's interesting to say because like i love my favorite Malick movie as you guys know is badlands i love badlands and that's a very linear uh classical uh storytelling i mean he still has his own auteur um will you tell tell people flourishes. a little bit about what that's about quickly sure it's it's basically a sort of Bonnie and Clyde type story. Uh, Martin Sheen uh, accidentally, uh, you know, kills. Um, I believe it's been a while since I've see, seen it, but it, I believe it's Sissy Spacek's father after trying to date her, and they he sort of goes on this <laughs> random killing spree, and he he plays this sort of innocent. Well, he's more not innocent, charming, more yeah, humbled idiot almost that is both unintentionally hilarious mm. but also getting himself and Sissy Spacek's character into these this well, horrible, he wants to be horrible infamous too. situation and he's very aware of wanting to use sort of the uh, the media or or yeah I mean basically becoming infamous is however he can can do that and how he found a way to do that is becoming a murderer. So um, does it have any of the f sort of flourishes that we see now in Malick films? Like there, you said a lot of it, voiceover, it, there's a lot of voiceover and yeah. And it's also contemplative and there's a lot of beauty shots. And I mean, they, they do live in nature and there are those moments uh, of um, respite in that movie mm. that you see. But it also it follows that it follows a straight story a, a mm -hmm. bit more than 
say, Tree of Life or A Hidden Life right. or A Thin Red Line. Right. Um, so, and I think, for me, I, I don't know, there is something about the way he's able to combine the storytelling of a traditional narrative with his own thing. And also just the, you know, it seemed to be uh, the way that... that uh, Martin Sheen uh, plays that character. There's a lot of things that make that movie just really, really work for me. But that being said, I don't think that... I'm not saying that this other way of filmmaking doesn't work for me. It's just... uh, And it has a lot of merits to it. And I think that's what we're talking about, the merits that come from that. Um, And what fascinates me and what fascinates you is the fact that you can make a movie this way. It just, it's the antithesis of everything we've learned, sort of, in a way, of how we know storytelling to be without it getting too super um, uh, artistic. And sometimes it does. Um, I don't want to repeat a lot of what you guys have said, even though it makes up kind of the you know, two thirds of the notes I took on, on this movie and on Malik. But I think one thing you mentioned, Chapin, that is missing from some of his movies, especially, I would say, well, I get, I don't even know, post tree of life, but really, you know, thin red line is the same way is structure. And, you know, not that me and Jeremy can't appreciate a movie like Malik makes, but I think you have a little bit more of an immediate satisfaction from a movie that's, a little bit less focused on structure and a little bit more focused on the composition, a little bit more focused on just what the director is doing as a director. And we've had that conversation before. And I think I've grown a little bit more fond of, of those types of movies. I, I, I really appreciate movies that force me to think about them a long time after and not necessarily just in within the confines of the story that it's telling. So I think Malik is does something to his audience that is unique and it's just that it he he forces you to think differently about what you just watched and not just the themes that he's going over but as an art form and you know you guys said it and i wrote this down like he's creating a different kind of art form he tells a story in a different type of way you know he's very voyeuristic and i think the voiceover helps with that and also the constantly moving camera but then the jump cuts that don't look like jump cuts i think he he does this very intentionally and i think it's just his way of telling the story and you can't compare it to really any other filmmaker and i just i you know maybe to give you credit shape and i just think that's something that you appreciate in uh, more immediately than jeremy and i have mm. in the past or still do and maybe that's why you've always liked malik Hmm. But I think I think also a hidden. If we want to get a little bit into the film itself, a hidden life does have a linear story. It does, and I yeah. think I think it's yeah. a yeah. I think there is a nice little again mix of telling mm-hmm. a story and telling a story that needs to you know that is emotional and sort of adds to the the rhythmic and the the sort of thought provoking nature the feeling nature uh, of Malick's um, filmmaking uh, in, in a in a really interesting way. I mean, Chapin, I don't know if you want to kind of just do the broad strokes of this film and then we can kind of get into... Sure. Yeah, so we, the, we the film is, is based on a true story um, about a gentleman named Franz Jägerstatter, 
who's an Austri- Austrian, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. uh, basically a, con- a conscious... Obje- uh, conscientious. Conscientious objector. Doesn't want to go to war. Doesn't believe in um, Hitler and the Nazis. Um, and he decides to sort of protest. Is that uh, someone walking well, around swear, above you, Jeremy? Yes. Sorry, that's okay. Nothing you can do about it. Just he shoot, won't swear loyalty. Shoot through the. Shoot. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's the way to do it. So he he plays a uh, so he is a, a conscientious conscientious objector and doesn't believe in what the Nazis are believe in and won't fight for um, won't fight for them. He goes to be trained, but then there's uh, there's some hope that they won't go to war because France surrenders. He returns to the village um, high up, I believe, in the Austrian Alps. Uh, where he is a farmer and kind of an important person in in the village to some extent, and he has a wife and kids, um, and then he's called up again and refuses to go, and um, is then spoiler alert, eventually sentenced to death and executed. Um, and so, yeah, we're we're kind of um, uh, and he, I should say he's played by August, I think August deal, who everybody probably knows from inglorious bastards where he plays the major, I forget what his name is. Major, um, standby major Hellstrom. Um, who's the guy the who basement scene. says, says goodbye to his Nazi balls. Um, <laughs> to your Nazi balls. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that's just like a, a rough, outline of the plot of course that takes three hours to tell uh somehow um but uh yeah yeah so all that being said and i did appreciate this movie i did enjoy it i mean i think what really struck and worked for me was the fact that he had this sort of moral wrestling the character himself had this moral wrestling so then it became more uh, appropriate for us to watch malik's moral wrestling visually um but there are there were moments i felt distracted by the beauty of the cinematography distracted from the story by the beauty of the filmmaking did you guys ever feel that way in this um, I didn't because I see what I really admired about the story that he told here is like you think about, uh, you know, the conscientious objector storyline. And I don't know. I The only movie that came to my mind was um, the Mel Gibson one with uh, Andrew Garfield, whatever the hell that was called. But um, <laughs> right. The, just, the movie that the, like the most violent Hacksaw movie Ridge. about a guy who Hacksaw doesn't Ridge, want to yeah. fight. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but like, I just, I think about that. I think about like how, how somebody who, who is, who doesn't want to fight can get through the fighting. But really what this movie focuses on is the, the consequences outside of that and the consequences to his family. I mean, we spend nearly half of this movie seeing how his wife is treated and seeing how he, his, his family is basically like excommunicated from this village. And I, I found that really kind of an interesting approach to this and very suitable to Malick's style mm-hmm. because, well, I don't know, what is there, a, a dozen lines of like actual dialogue in this movie? Again, it's a lot of voiceover and it's a lot about the character's thoughts and the meandering style of Malick's filmmaking 
it works with that. So I think, you know, look, I mean, you, you're filming this village in the Alps. It just is beautiful. And Malik has a touch for that. It looks great. And I can understand if that's distracting to a certain extent, but I actually thought that it worked really nicely the, with the, the, the thought provoking aspects of this movie. Yeah. I didn't find the landscaping distracting. I, 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 I just thought that the way this is, cause this is shot digitally. And I think it may, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Chavin, but I think it may be the first film he shot digitally. Um, it's the first it one shot, he was shot completely digitally, but they've yeah. used digital cameras before. Um, <clears throat> and it was shot with an extremely wide angle lens a lot of times. Yeah, it had um, a little bit of that fisheye look. Uh, and I just think that it just tried to, when when you're trying to get this story across and you're trying to concentrate on the feelings and the thoughts and the even the dialogue between these characters, it becomes a bit much when your eyes doing this uh wandering um and and it's wandering in a good way like you're just like taking it all in but then you forget oh yeah let me get back to the struggles this this guy has yeah i mean (laughs) adeline um, didn't like it she's so bored um i i will say i think the last cup the last three malik movies and i think i've kept up with them a little bit more um than you guys have but They've been largely set in more urban areas, um, like Song to Song and Night of Cups are, are mostly set in L.A. and Austin. And then um, To the Wonder, the Ben Affleck one is set in Oklahoma. And they have, you know, it's it's very similar in terms of r- the rough settings. Like they're outside a lot. They're wandering around each other. And in those circumstances, it's beautifully shot and it's shot in much the same style that uh, a hidden life was but you're like well wait a second these people live in like suburban oklahoma like why are they f- cavorting with cows in the field you know like it doesn't make much sense but these people are like their life is the is the land you know they work mm-hmm. in it and that's what they do and so it makes sense that you're out in this environment with them and i like the depth you see i mean the sort of it's it's very in vogue now this like very shallow depth of field photography where you know everything where you have a very shallow um plane of focus and so everything else looks very blurry in the background but um malik kind of goes the other way he's very wide lenses as you said and he shoots with um, a, a deep enough stop that you that um, that everything is in focus. So you'll have um, your main actor in the foreground, and you'll have the Alps in the background, and it'll all be sort of very, to the most part, very crisp and sharp. And I think that gives you a sense that these people are like where they are and who they are. There is a part of this this land. <clears throat> um, it is very beautiful, and I will admit that like it is sometimes distracting. You're like, oh my god, like this is incredibly looking stuff. But I mean. To, to, to the, for the most part, I felt like, oh, this is where they're from. This is what they see. No wonder he feels the way he does, both in, like, why would he want to go and kill people on some battlefield somewhere else? And he wants to be back home in this beautiful place where his kids and children and his wife are all, you know, part of this land. They're literally their hands are in the dirt. Yeah, I'm with you, Tapin. I mean, I think this movie... I, don't, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't even, I don't, are we going to get into it? Maybe, you know, f- figure out where this falls among Malik movies. I don't even know the answer, but I think <laughs> this is a perfect example of the things that 
he's good at and it's and to me and and I went back and recently before watching this I watched Tree of Life again which was long overdue I hadn't seen it since the theater and we'll get into that a little bit but you know what I what I appreciate about that movie and what I appreciate about this movie is how he's a vi- like somehow able to move his camera and capture these images in a way that feels very very intimate and it doesn't feel showy it doesn't feel like it's you know a you know flashy cinematography it feels intimate and i think that's really important for this movie because so much of the thoughts of these characters is you know what are my actions going to what effect are my actions going to have on the people that i love and and that was the theme that i took so much away from this movie and i think that the filmmaking complemented that really nicely so that's where i kind of disagree with you there lee um i don't think it i don't think it was not showy or I, I do think the intention was to be intimate, but I think it distracted from the inti- intimacy a little bit. Um, <clears throat> I do think hmm. he gets a little carried away. Like I, I, part of me wonders why it takes him three years to, to edit this movie or, or edit any of his movies. It's like, Oh, sh- you know, we need another, we need another shot of the, the uh, jail hallway. <laughs> Let's get the sick shot of the jail hallway, yeah. you know? Like, it is a beautiful building, and I'm sure it was quite a find, but I don't need to see the the camera just go up and down the empty hallway over and over again um, while nothing else is really happening. Like, it could have tight, pared that down, and that's when I, th- you know, I think he get he gets away from himself a little bit. Yeah, see, I don't know. I, I feel like typically I would agree with you, but, like, I find, like... W- where I think I've grown more fond of movies like this is in their patience and in their like this just kind of monotonous element that exists because it's trying to capture like a psyche of a person like this this character is basically imprisoned now and the only conversations he has with anybody is them asking him to swear loyalty to Hitler which he continues to refuse to do so it's just repetitive and monotonous for him so i feel like the days in these prisons or and for his wife on the flip side the days of her just waiting and doing these jobs that he would do on their farm is just monotonous and over and over and i just feel like that captures that so i can i see how like there there is a i don't know like a little bit of an excessive touch to some of the shots he takes. And I think that's more, he's more guilty of that in a movie like tree of life and Chapin. You'll probably suggest that maybe in his, his, the movies in between, he's guilty of that. But here I think it was effective. I guilty of what? Of just kind of overusing his style and spending a little yeah. bit too much time capturing. I the mean, beauty there was, there was for a no moment. Reason. There was a moment during this film. I, I said like, is Malik seen too many Malik movies? <laughs> <laughs> because like I don't yeah. I, you know like there's another shot of of uh you know fields of grains and, or yeah. wheats and 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 hands you know intertwining um that you're you're just so conscious of what he does you would think that he'd be so conscious of what he does that maybe he'd try different imagery or, why- or a little bit different touch why do you think we're more critical of him for that than other directors i mean every director has their signatures well okay can i just say i i think i was reminded of the question lee that you asked on whiplash the opening question where you said 
What was it again? You asked like. What did I ask? You asked something oh, can about like something distract from right, can, or can you be, want to see something exactly, or can like the story distract you from the parts that you really want to see or whatever right. it was? Yeah, and I, after you know, starting and stopping this movie probably six times and getting two and a half hours into it, they stop and you actually, you know, for most for people who haven't seen the film, you know, a lot of the dialogue is off screen characters will sort of appear and disappear with no explanation. A conversation will take place, you know, in a field uh, a mile away and then jump to inside a barn with no apparent for no apparent reason. And so when you stop and you get actually August deal answering a question and having a dialogue with one of the Nazi officers, I was like, I stopped and I was like, I want to hear what he has to say. He has to stay with this. Do you judge me? Um, for this and it has it's a close-up of him and he's just gonna talk and, and and it makes you stop and listen and I mean I think there's a lot that is frustrating about Malik like you're obviously so enamored with how beautiful this is Jeremy I, I'm reminded of when you guys reviewed the tree of life which I think is one of your um, one of the best podcasts you guys did back in the 1.0 days I mean you know before me of course you know before BC before Chapin um, <laughs> But Get your I, film fix podcast BC. One of the things you said was how why is an upside down image of children children's uh, reflections on a concrete or um, not, uh, shadows on a concrete? Why is that evocative or something to that degree? And it's true. It's like I who knows why are these things evocative? Why do these things move us? But they do. But then when you put it all together in a film like this, in all of his films, in a lot of his films, especially the last three before this one they become it becomes very frustrating because you just want some semblance of a structure to to latch on to and so which this one has it does but it also has it also still meanders though. it meanders and sure. you you just you kind of just want um august deals character to just tell you what's going on in his mind which is how which is often so much what we say in films not to do right right but i think i think the reason it works in this one the reason it mostly works i i should say in this one is because i think he he's fighting something in his mind like there's no he's having his own battle in his yeah. mind so um <clears throat> i think that if he were to just say look i'm torn because I don't obviously I don't want to, you know, uh follow follow Hitler, but you know, I also don't want to be executed. Like that, you know, I, I think it's more it, it's the the turmoil is what we have to live with. Sure. And I think it does a good job of ha- helping us live with that turmoil and a good payoff to get us to the point where we're sort of in his mindset as he's yeah. walking to the end. Right, and that's I think that's the point of this movie. That's what I liked about this movie is that it's not about how he answers the question. It's about what he's thinking about before he answers the question. Sure. And I think Malik does that a lot. He tries to portray what characters are thinking, and it's a really hard thing to do. And, I, I mean, maybe he does it better than anybody. It does, the problem is it just doesn't always make his movies easy to watch or entertaining. I mean, and it's a, because as an audience member, I mean, really as a human being, you want a resolution, either a re- not a necessary resolution. You want an answer to, you know, the plot points. Right. And with a movie like Tree of Life, I think you you get a certain way into that movie, and you're starting to understand that this is a 
unique experience. This is a different type of movie, and you're not going to get that type of thing. But with a movie like Hidden Life, when you're dealing with a linear story, it actually starts to nag at you a little bit where you're saying, okay, I want to learn what's going to happen to this character. I want to hear his objection. I want to hear how he's going to defend himself. And you just don't get that. And it's a little unsatisfying as a result. But I really appreciate the, you know, but, but the, partly the, the contemplative point, aspect of it. The point of this movie is that it's the it's about a character that ultimately wrestles with such a huge thing but is lost to history and lost to every other person. Right. Nobody remembers him. Like, yeah, nobody remembers him. Was that fight worth fighting? Like he, you know, he loses his life over this uh, conundrum that he's, that he's, you know, wrestling with. And ultimately there's a lot of people that have wrestled with a lot of stuff and are lost to history. And I think that's part of why this movie or, or where this movie was going. Yeah. But does and, this movie take any stance on on that? So like it doesn't ever no, say like if that's like I it doesn't ever point, say like but it was worth it. Like it obviously he's he's you know, obviously we it, it would have been great if, if more people it. stood up to him to to that to that made but that stand. But the thing is you you don't know ultimately if it's worth it. That's the that's kind of the right. the position that it's taking is you don't know i mean it, it's it's to it's up to that individual whether it's worth it or not there's re- it's not really worth it to any right greater sort of write a history book about yeah yeah i think i guess what i was sort of getting at with my reference to the whiplash lee and was that i do think that using that stuff sparingly, you know, telling your story in a different way through these, you know, images and this voiceover that's sort of unspecific, it does leave you wanting a little bit, which I think can have a sort of dangerous effect. It can make, you know, maybe people sort of sit back and say, I'm going to, you know, diddle on my phone or be on Twitter or whatever while I'm watching this because it's not grabbing my attention or it makes you, and I would guess I would hope, I would think Terrence Malick would hope for this, which is that you got to pay a little bit more attention. You've got to kind of, you've got to, or you, or maybe not even pay attention. You've got to like allow yourself to be ab- absorbed by the film. Let your, let your, let you kind of let it in, envelop you. And I, I just remember this one experience I had um, watching. I, I, I have tree of life on, on Blu-ray and I just turned it on one day. I think I was by myself. I might have even been, I might have been sick and at home. I remember watching it in the middle of the day and I just watched it and I, and I was just completely um, overwhelmed by it. And uh, I, I didn't feel that, that way when I first watched it. And, and maybe I wouldn't feel that way if I watched it right now. I don't know. But I, I do think those movies, when he, when he does it right, it, it does make you feel like, I think what he's after is, it's like this is what this is film's version of memory. This is film's version of of dream a, a dream state. Yeah, this it's is, like it's like trying to catch a mood. Yeah, in a bottle, it's trying to 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 quantify something that really can't be quantified in a weird way. Right. What well, what you're describing, Chapin, in terms of you know how you know, Malik hoping and expecting you to 
really pay attention with his movies. I think we knew that going into this movie. I think we all probably said, okay, I'm going to watch Tree of Life. I need to make sure that, you know, I start this movie at the right time, that I'm sitting down, I'm not distracted, or I'm at least as little as little distractions as possible. And, you know, I think it's important that we voice that, especially if this is a movie we think we should recommend. You know, this movie is not for everybody. You know, I... I, I I got messages in regards to, you know, movies that we talked about on the fixies that people were going and rewatching. And, you know, I liked this one. I didn't like this one. I couldn't finish this one. And uncut gems was a, a little bit of a polarizing, had a little bit of a polarizing response. And I wanted to tell certain people like, well, you, this probably wasn't a movie for you. And a hidden life is like that. But if you are going to commit to a Malik movie, and if you're going to commit to a hidden life, I think there are some things that would reward the viewing as long as you're, focusing and paying attention but you have to understand what type of movie you're getting into Mm. not just in terms of malik but in terms of you know this is a three-hour movie that doesn't have very much dialogue half of which is in german with no subtitles which i thought was an interesting choice and actually liked but you know i just think you have to be prepared and you have to know that your malik demands your attention if you want to get the most out of his movie you have to be prepared to pay attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a, a great point. point. I, and I wish like, those people would have emailed us at feedback at your film fix podcast instead of sent you messages. I mean, don't they know this right. how the system works? And apparently not. I felt I thought it was a little intrusive. I don't know how they got my phone number to begin with. I don't okay. know if you guys well, have been posting it or let's something. Let's make sure we use the proper channels to get a hold of us. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Jeremy, go ahead. <laughs> We're not your friends. Uh <laughs> Oh yeah, so I guess I'm just agreeing with Lee that that like don't go don't try to watch this movie if you if you're just doing it to to check it off a list. Or really a lot of his movies, Tree of Life, Thin Red Line, don't do it to check it off a list. You have to really just know know what to expect going into it. And and, and if you do that, I think you can get something out of it that you normally want. That's why it's important to listen to the whole podcast, and you can't just ask us, oh, did you like A Hidden Life? And I say, yeah, I liked it, and then go watch it. That doesn't work like that. Yeah, but I also think I would I would bet that this movie is very approachable for, to, for some people. I bet a lot of people would find this kind of movie. I mean, you know, it's not an easy watch. It's long, and it's a little – it's meandering, and it's – again, as we said, it's hard to sort of grasp, but it is just like – beautiful images and beautiful music and yeah um you know quite quite good acting and i think yeah. you know we, yeah august Dio was so good yeah and his the, the woman who plays his wife and there's a lot of pretty famous german actors i didn't know jürgen Prochnow was in this did you guys know that i didn't see him was he um, the guy who played hitler and who was he was the judge the guy who played hitler in downfall no, yeah bruno gantz was yeah, in that's it bruno yeah. gantz. so there's um, some pretty famous michael um, nyquist was in it i don't even remember seeing him yeah, he's the he's the bishop. He's not German. He's Swedish, but um. so I think there's you know there's some famous names and there's just some beautiful imagery and beautiful scenes and locations and I think I think it's a very moving movie and I think that that film that I mean that will that appeals to a lot of people. It might appeal to people more than it appeals to us. You know, um, is there anything you guys else want to add about Malik? So Lee, I know I remember the one thing. <laughs> you took away from when you, the the um tree of life podcast was that you know you kind of left feeling 
as if Malik and maybe those who understood the movie were smarter than you. And I and I thought, well, that's silly. And I tend to agree. Um, <laughs> this doesn't take much. But uh, on a second viewing, did have you changed your mind at all about that? Do you still no, feel that I, way? I, no, I don't. I I actually I feel like I took a lot out of it this time. I really kind of understood what he was exploring in it. I didn't enjoy it anymore, but I did find myself thinking about it for a good week afterwards. And I appreciate that about Tree of Life. It's a very thought-provoking movie. It's definitely something that I don't really enjoy watching it at the time, but I kind of want to go back and watch it again because yeah. I do feel like it is saying a lot. And it does take a really interesting, albeit unique approach at telling this story about, you know, about life, like really start to finish. And it tells it in these different types of acts. And I think it's it's done in a kind of a fascinatingly unique way that I appreciated uh, quite a bit this time. Like I said, I really didn't enjoy the experience watching it. I really enjoy it more <laughs> after the fact. And I think you could say that about a lot of Malick movies. I mean, I, yeah. I like badlands a lot i i have a lot that i need to revisit but i have a um fond memory of thin red line and a new world um oh yeah new world i haven't oh, seen haven't his that. his uh more recent ones i never saw days of heaven actually either i don't think is richard gear in that yes yeah. yeah i don't think i've seen it. sam water or um, sam shepherd is because this is yeah. the first first 2019 movie that we've reviewed post fixies. I'm curious if yeah. this would have had any consideration. You don't need to place it specifically, but I definitely think August Deal would have been a, making a made a run at the best actor category. Oof, that's um, that's that was a tough category though. It I, was. I think it was, cinematography so I mean. you don't would need have to, to have been considered. Yeah, cinematography. Yeah. Um, direction, picture. You think? No, I wouldn't make it for me. Yeah, I okay. don't. I don't. I don't think so. I. I mean, I really enjoyed the movie, but um, maybe my number ten. I could see it. It like was a different. Even. It was a different year. Different. If it feels, it didn't feel modern, <laughs> which is not fair to say to a period right. film. But <laughs> this movie didn't even look, feel like it was made. There were no it. iPhones. Yeah. Um. So the. So the yeah, well, it's the reason we uh, watched this movie. Go ahead. Luke. Yeah, the movie we watched this was because the Get Your Film Fix podcast uh, challenged the three of us to just effing watch it. Hashtag just effing watch it. And it's been going around Instagram. So basically, we've been doing the just effing watch it for a long time since uh, the first iterations of the podcast, since BC. Um, and... We've always thought it was a really good exercise. It forced us to watch movies that either were a little outside the box movies we weren't necessarily you know interested in watching but knew were good or movies that were just blind spots for us movies we just were embarrassed to admit we hadn't seen so the get your film fix podcast challenged uh jeremy chapin and myself to watch a hidden life which we did and then we extended the challenge to uh some other um friends on instagram to watch I, the movies that they really needed to see i still, chapin still needs to yeah. Chapin still needs to challenge um, some people, but the idea behind it is just to you know have more people embrace the just effing watch it idea and to see some of the movies that they really just need to see. I think Jeremy, you while we have the time, um, you challenge some people to watch Taxi Driver yep. and Badlands. Um, yep, and I got I some challenged, more challenges to come. I ch- I challenged um, somebody to watch. I, I challenged Liddy to watch Paper Moon, which she loved, and then she challenged. Uh, her cousin to watch eighth grade, which I think she watched and then challenged somebody else. Uh, it's been, I haven't kept track of all of it. Um, 
uh, I, I challenged my mom to watch another year, the Mike Lee film, which I think uh, she would really enjoy. Um, and I think, you know, like these Instagram challenges tend to do, we'd love it to spread because this is a time for people to check these movies off their list. So if you've been challenged and you're listening, be sure to watch the movie and spread the challenge around. If you have not been, keep an eye on your Instagram because I'm sure it will get to you in due time. And I know what I have to do now. got to keep breathing. Because tomorrow the sun will rise. Who knows what the tide could bring. Okay, guys. So I told you a little bit last week about the radio show that's on the old BBC, on the old wireless, not the internet, the old radio, called Desert Island Discs. And uh, actor Brian Cox was on this week. You can download the podcast if you'd like to. You know, of course. Why the fuck are you wasting your time? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and uh, so I just thought I'm going to put you guys in the we're going to put all of us in the Chuck Noland role Um, but you get a little bit of forewarning here you get to pack the FedEx jet with a couple of things um, Mm. that will wash up on the shore of the island Um, and so I got a couple so I've got five questions for you Um, okay and I didn't. We didn't send you these in advance because I think they're more fun when we get to talk about them and discuss them. Um, okay. And we've got you know twenty minutes to do that, so let's just start it. So my first one is, and I did steal this one from another podcast. This first one, so you know, sue me. Um, get, all right, you know, get so, us some attention. We get sued. <laughs> now, a just as a prerequisite here, a beautiful four K OLED TV has washed up unharmed by the seawater. Blu-ray player, whatever you want. You're, you're able to plug it in. Full surround system is, is set up <laughs> Fire in that, stick in that, with in internet. That cave. Yeah. Um, you can't communicate with anybody, but just assume that. Okay, so now you can take one director's filmography to the island Ooh. that will wash up on the shores. You can take one director's filmography to wash up on the shores. Which director are you going to take? Now, let's keep in mind that, you know, if you were to bring Terrace Malick, which I don't think you will, that's only eight films. Or nine right. films, so you know you want you want some you want to give that some consideration. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's got to be somebody that you that obviously has to be prolific, so you get more movies out of them. It, that's almost be more important than having the greatest movies. Because my first instinct well, this, was well, yeah. not necessarily. But you also have to add rewatchability because yeah, regardless exactly. of how this big is it is, so Woody like, Allen, the old is it be, the old batting average question that Brantley would bring up. Right. Yeah. So yeah, Woody Allen's got a ton, but how many of those do you want to keep watching over and over again? Yeah. Um, the first two that came to my mind in terms of you know quantity was Spielberg and Scorsese, both of whom have yes. movies that I could watch many many times over, but also have a lot that maybe I wouldn't. But to be honest with you, I, I Spielberg might be the answer because even some of the ones that aren't as good. The Lost World, for example, I can sit back and just enjoy on an afternoon on the beach with my cocktail. Well, you're in the you're in the cave. In the cave with well, yeah, of yeah. course, because I want the lighting on the tea. I don't want a glare. Um, yeah. Spielberg is my first thought. Plenty of movies to choose from. Some of the best ever. Also, some you know entertaining ones, if nothing else. 
What um, about and it's people I, I, that it's the movies they directed, right? Correct. And I will say Spielberg is, is I think is my answer. So if you can think of a different one, Lee, that would be good. But I, I, I believe Spielberg is my answer. Yeah. Um I also thought I mean it's a shorter list and we're gonna you know, not to spoil anything, we're gonna get to our Nolan retrospective, but Christopher Nolan's movies, a good majority of his movies are just captivating and entertaining and long. So feel like that could be worthwhile and they have some rewatchability to them for sure but there's only 10 right yeah my first my first thought was pta but i just don't think he has enough um and then uh, it's tough i think maybe maybe billy wilder because he has Ooh, some that's of my a favorites. great one um <laughs> yeah i mean you could say you lot. could say like you could say like uh John Ford. I mean, he's got like John hundreds Ford, of those, yeah. right? John Ford or 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 Hitchcock too. Yeah, but Billy Wilder's great because I mean, now you have you have Sunset Boulevard, Double Indemnity, the impart the apartment, yeah, uh, the Long some Weekend, like Some Like It Hot, Stalag Seventeen. Yeah, I think uh, I think I'd go with Billy Wilder. That's a good one. I mean, act, you know his what has he got? Twenty movies that he directed, maybe a little bit more. Not so it's not a huge list, but some it's really good. It's really what one two. Keep You're talking. I'll like, count. Okay. I thought. I, I mean, just looking at this. Yeah, because I know I can watch like Double Indemnity, The Lost Weekend, The Apartment, Sunset Boulevard over and over again. And then there's some movies. I don't want to admit which what, ones, but those are a couple of just effing watchets for me in there. <laughs> Twenty-five movies. Okay. Um, um. So yeah, that's my pick. Billy Wilder. Billy Wilder. Yep. And, um, I have to pick again, right? Because I can't do Spielberg. Um, you can, you can, you can have Spielberg. It's a good. You you made the case. Yeah, but I feel like I should have another one. I mean, maybe. Oh man, yeah, it's tough. I mean, John Ford is a good. Well, there are a lot of just having watch. It's under John Ford for me too. Um, you have time. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's so easy to say like PTA or Fincher or or Tarantino or something because those are movies that you just want to keep watching, but you really need a, you need a bigger list of movies. I mean, maybe I'd go with Scorsese. I mean, you're still, I'm still getting 10 movies that I absolutely love. Yeah. And then, and I, I do think that you get, I mean, not that every, you wouldn't get this with um, Wilder too, but like you do get like a, you know, you get movies from the seventies with Spielberg and Scorsese, and then you just get a wide variety there in terms of style and, you know, over the years. Yeah. I mean, I think I go with, with Scorsese because Great. You know, I get Goodfellas, which I could watch every day. I get Raging Bull. I get Taxi Driver. But then I get Wolf of Wall Street, The Departed. You know, I got I got a good... And then I got, you know, movies that will take me from the beginning of the time I land till I die, like The Aviator. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Feedback at getyourfilmfixpodcast.com. Um, okay, guys, this is another very similar one that I want to take less time with because I'm less interested in our answers. But um, you can take one actor's filmography to the island. Who's are your take? I what think, are you? Who's I think I got to go Leo. Yeah, I was thinking that too, but Leo, I mean, he's who, the first I would person say that came maybe to mind. De, I would say De Niro. No. Chapin? Um, yeah, no, I mean, Leo is someone I thought of. Um, yeah. That's Paul a good Muni. One. Classic, classic. Um, I think De Niro. 
De Niro? A lot of movies. A lot yeah. of movies. A lot of different variety. Some of my favorite movies. Yeah. That's, that's going to be my pick. Plus, with De Niro, you get, you also get, like, Pacino in some of his movies. You get, yeah. like, a lot of the other great actors within. And you get some his, comedies, you know who, too. You know yeah. what? I change, I change mine. I change mine. I'm going to go Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, you get a lot. Oh, yeah, there you, you go. get a yeah. lot of good movies that way, even if he just shows up in them. And you That's get some point. of those. Leos. Yeah, you get good Yeah, so I'm gonna go. You, you get, get a good lot fellas. of Marvel you movies get, for that. You get all you get your Marvels. Ki- you get Kill you get Bill. The, the Kill Bills get, and yeah, uh, yeah, the, right. the Django. Great. Um, that's a great pick, and Pulp yeah. Fiction, and you get yeah. yeah see, we uh, did, we had the wrong idea. We're thinking starring actors, and yeah, Samuel uh, Jackson has been that, but really, it's about. It's about just who's been in the most good movies. That's a great answer. Okay, moving on. Um, Number three. So these are we're going to change the rules around a little bit. You can take one comedy or a sort of cheer-me-up movie. So it's like a movie that is either a comedy or a movie that you will you can watch for the sole reason to just cheer you up while you've, Mm -hmm. you know, ate your 150th raw crab leg. Swingers, baby. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Shit, <laughs> Jeremy. Uh, mine's gotta be. It's just like a. It doesn't necessarily have to be a comedy. It's just the movie you go to to. Right. To see old friends, I'm gonna say almost famous. Uh, I'm we'll gonna have go to with, wait and hear about that. I'm gonna and, go uh, with uh, Sideways. Yeah, Sideways is another one I thought of. Boogie Nights is also another one. Boogie Nights is a little heavy. A little heavy for that. Yeah, but Swingers is easily my choice. Okay. Sideways would be my second. Yeah, I think swimmer, Swingers is a good one. I'd love for us to be able to do that sometime, Jeremy. I know you've been hesitant to do that, but I'd love to try to review Yeah, we swingers. can do that. Because, well, we, when we were with you, we watched it. <laughs> yeah. And, um, okay. Uh, yeah. Um, this is kind of just a f- one for fun. You can bring a single food or drink item, including alcohol, to consume only while watching your film or films. What are you bringing now? So, so what I'm saying is, you this is you. I wouldn't. You can't bring this for survival because you can only watch it when you're. You can only consume it while you're watching a movie. So this is something that goes so along with is, your movie. Do I have to so own are you, it? Are you? Or can I say like very, 80, 82 Lafitte? Yeah. I, does it have to be specific like that, or can I just say beer? <laughs> you could. You could say whatever you want. All right. 1982 Lafitte Raw Shield. Magnum. Double Magnum. Jeroboam for, for your Magnum. So dog. you're bringing, you're bringing that. That's what you like to. That's what you're gonna drink during your movie. If I if I have the option. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll take. Uh, I'll I'll just do beer. Great. Because I I I want to switch it up. I, all the, I all want the, the all one. the beer. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Okay. What about you? Yeah, that's a good question. Um. <laughs> you you asked it. I want to say like it's like really really good question. I mean the perfect like the perfect the perfect movie watching thing for me is 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 like a well seasoned popcorn and you got to have like the right type uh, of seasoning. Most people don't have them. And I like, like how I like a, how wait, Jer- wait, wait. Jeremy chose Jeremy chose all the beer. I chose one of the finest wines in the world from one of the best vintages ever. And Chapin just went with popcorn. And I like how I not everyone can, it, so. not everyone has this this magical <laughs> popcorn dust that yeah, Chapin no. has. Yeah, most people don't. Most people don't know about this. Perfectly like, what do you seasoned. mean? It's got to be in grocery stores or something. Yeah, what no, do you it's, put for, on it? It's like brewer, you know, brewer's yeast, and they have like different seasonings and stuff. It's great. 
but I'm not bringing that because water it's scarce and I'm going to be all thirsty all the time. Wait, you can bring water as the, the option? <laughs> no, you can't. Well, well, you could. That. You could if you want, but it's not going to be very useful to you because you can only have it while you're. Yeah, I'm saying I have water there too, but I'm saving yeah. that for when I'm not well, watching I've already, movies. I've already dug a well, so okay, you have a I've dug already figured that out. As you said, as we talked about, we'd all die the first day. I'd <laughs> taking I'd a well. Dig, I'd be digging in the wrong place. I'd end up digging and just getting right next to the beach, and every time yeah. the tide came in, I'd be like, I got it. But you also realize if you're digging a well at, by Oceanside, you're just going to dig down to salt water, right? That's where I get that good salty popcorn taste. <laughs> <laughs> where that's Chapin's secret ingredient. Yeah. yeah. Okay, what's next? Okay, the last one is, all right, so they, every, changing the rules up again. Finally, all is lost. You can only bring one movie to the, to the island. Fuck. One movie for the rest of your life. What are you bringing? Oof. Um, okay, so I just rewatched this relatively recently. Um, I don't know that this would have been my answer before this. It probably, it certainly would have been in the consideration. But Goodfellas. Mm. Yeah, that's a that. that I un, mean, that is un, definitely on the list of like unquestionably my favorite Scorsese movie. Just such such a great movie. So much fun to watch, start to finish. I, I I think I, it's not my favorite movie, but well, I don't know who the fuck knows. But it's the one I could watch for the rest of my life. As a side note, wh- what format did you? How did you watch it? Um, it was on Netflix. Oh, okay. So streaming on Netflix, my regular standard def DVD. <laughs> That's what Jeremy? I have to bring to the island. Um. <sighs> Shinless list. No. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers you Isn't up every beautiful day. film. This is tough. This is Cast real away. tough. But I think I I think it's go- it's gonna be Casablanca. Oh wow, that's, oh, a, that's yeah, a really that's good. good. That's a good pick. Yep. Yeah, that's it. It's my it's it's so rewatchable and it has so much to it. Um, yeah, if I could only take one movie, it would be Casablanca. That's a good one. I mean, I do. I have to say, it's going to be boring, but I do think it's going to be Master and Commander for me. Oh, I mean, for fuck's sake. I'll, I'll probably be sick of the fucking ocean by then. But um, actually, <clears throat> let me change. Uh, let me let me change. Don't change mine. yours. Yours is good. No, it's going to be and it's uh, sophisticated. Sort of a, it's going to be a full length porno because I'm going to get more out of that. <laughs> I feel like you. I'll probably I'll probably utilize. I feel like you could probably find some magazines buried somewhere on the island. You went. Yeah, from, there's always you there's always magazines the in the woods. There's always magazines the... you can find somewhere. <laughs> every island in the world has and magazines hidden. Every woods has some magazines <laughs> hidden under a log somewhere. <laughs> I don't know who. I just picture this this one guy and his, he's like the Johnny Appleseed of, <laughs> of porno magazines. He's just going to just all the woods, stuffing them in logs. Them. Yeah. Throwing them under logs so that teenage boys can discover at or at, at around like thirteen years old. Yeah, and then the internet was invented, and he's yeah. like, uh, f- all my hard work." <laughs> there's, yeah, there's probably there's right now there's there's magazines under logs going undiscovered. Yep, it's really a shame. Now that's a joke. Of course, I'd take Casablanca. Good. Somewhere my mom was like, oh my god, Jeremy, what a sophisticated pick, and then you had to change it up. (laughs) Okay, well, good job, guys. That was fun. Um, Hopefully that had some thought-provoking 
topics. If anybody else wants to answer these questions, they can send us an email, feedback at getyourfilmfixedpodcast.com. Uh, that's what director's filmography, what actor's filmography, what single comedy or cheer me up movie, uh, what single food or drink item, and finally, what single film would you bring to a desert island? Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Get Your Film Fixed podcast. I have been Chapin Hemingway, Lee, you and Lee Bo Jones, Jamie Fisk. We're here for you during the quarantine, putting out content. We're going to do a quick fix, Jeremy and I, during uh, the week. Um, what's what next? We, what are we do doing we that on? <clears throat> um, I Chapin, have some questions we... for you from Instagram. Industry, industry okay. questions. Um, yeah. And just some other things. Yeah. They'll be, it'll be quick. Some musings. Musings. Um, oh, do we know what we're doing next, lads? I would love to do Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Yeah, the we next should film just, we is should Portrait of a Lady on Fire, another film set on an island. Okay, so that'll be next week, um, and that's available on Hulu. So if you guys want to check that out in anticipation for free for of the podcast, please do that. Watch it this week, and we'll see you next week. I'm staying. I'm finishing my coffee. Enjoying my coffee. Okay. <coughs> so, guys, I'm going <coughs> to... Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and we just lost, lost Chapin. All right. Okay.